0: You can start these businesses and you never know what's going to happen. What I told the kids was you always want to talk to people. You always want to be open to ideas. Nobody's perfect. You know, all these things, I guess you hear in you know, sort of business one-on-one classes or whatever, but it's so important to receive feedback, be open-minded, handle criticism. The hardest part of my job, obviously, is as hard as my staff work and as hard as we try to put a perfect product together, there are always going to be some issues that come up at camp. I think the parents appreciate that. I've always tried to communicate with them. I've always tried to be proactive. I try to deal with the situation quickly, you know, and sometimes it's my fault. And and I I own up to it. And I know parents appreciate that.
1: Ed Metzendorf is admittedly a camp geek. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why I feel bad saying that. Those are his words. He pivoted from the software business to become founder and director of Next Level Day Camps in New York, New Jersey and Connecticut, which he says balances intensive sports and academic training for adolescents with elective activities. They're encouraging the kids to try different things outside of their core area to explore, which I love his time in tech wasn't totally unrelated to the now and achieving this dream gig in 2000 he caught the startup wave with bunkwan.com a summer camp technology company that he developed with other former campers so that was a great way to build his runway but what did it take to recognize and actually execute on what he knows he was really meant to do we get into the story behind Ed's launch in this episode. We talk finding your differentiators as an entrepreneur and carving out a professional space that brings you back to your roots, the kind that bring you joy. Ed, welcome to Bucket List Careers. I am so glad that you thought of the podcast because you are working in New Rochelle, which is the next town over from me. My kids did your camp years ago, and you know, your narrative is perfect for it. Thank you.
0: I'm so excited to be here. Such a great opportunity. I heard about your podcast. Yeah. I had an opportunity to listen to some great stories.
1: Ah, uh, you did some homework.
0: <laughs> well, I always do my homework. Like I can tell my kids. I'm just excited to be here and I guess tell my story, answer some questions.
1: That's what it's all about. We know you had a pivot. We know that you have found your bucket list career, something that really lights you up now. So we want to go through your evolution. What wasn't really working for you in software business? That's where, I don't know if you started there in that industry or that was your last job before you became this founder. So let's just dial it back to that.
0: Let's dial it back. So I went to a small college in New England, graduated as a government major date myself it what's called the <laughs> mid nineties. And um,
1: you don't look it, you don't look it. That's
0: all that <laughs> counts. <laughs> My first job actually was a paralegal. I thought I wanted to go to law school. So I grew up in Manhattan and was fortunate enough to get a paralegal job in Manhattan. About nine months later, I gave that up because it just it, was, it wasn't for me. Nobody seemed that happy. The lawyers always were like, you know, this isn't so great. So it didn't seem so great for me. So I, I pivoted at that point. I played tennis in college. So I was fortunate enough at that point to actually get a job. At the United States Tennis Center in White Plains. I did some marketing and PR for them for about, I guess, about a year. And I got to work at the US Open, like, you know, really knee, knee deep into it. I was there like 18 hours a day. I got to write. This was sort of pre internet. Don't forget, like in the mid to late '90s. So I was writing daily reports that we were actually photocopying and handing out to the media every day.
1: <laughs> Photocopying—even that word, our kids wouldn't have any clue what that means. I don't have a clue.
0: I mean, I probably had to use a payphone. <laughs> Whatever. I got to go in the locker room and all these. Yeah. I got access to a lot of things. So as a person who loves tennis and you know, really getting to have that opportunity, that was that was a lot of fun. Yeah. And then starting in 2000, I was fortunate enough to get involved in in a startup software business, which actually was a little bit in the summer camp space. And that sort of helped me get to, to this next step here. Okay. I did that for 15 years and I was on the sales and marketing side, not on the programming side. We built software for sports and recreation programs throughout North America. I mean, really in Canada as well. I traveled quite a bit doing sales and marketing, but you know what, what it really came down to was I was a camper as a, as a kid. I loved coaching my, I have two daughters. I love coaching them in sports. They always thought I was too competitive, but like every Wednesday or Thursday, <laughs> every Wednesday or Thursday, I was planning for their Saturday practice. I was one of those kind of dads who took it pretty seriously and wanted to make sure the kids had a good experience. And I really loved working with nice. kids. I mean, I taught tennis growing up. And, you know, in 2014, not to sort of jump ahead, but after 14 years in the software business, I decided to make a change. I was fortunate enough to get invited to, to run my first camp, uh, Next Level Camp for Girls at Ursuline uh, School in New Rochelle, and we launched then, and, and now we're five different locations in, in a couple different states in, in the United States, so it's it's been a lot of fun, and we're growing, and every summer it's it's awesome to create new, new programs and see these kids smile, especially the last couple of years. Obviously, it's been rough for everybody, so to do different things and get the kids running around and having some fun. Sure. It's been very rewarding for me, and, and you know, I attribute it all. All this I always attribute to my staff because without my counselors and, and my directors, I mean, none of this would really be possible. Well,
1: yeah, and you mentioned pandemic pivots. I mean, all of the people I have on this show have dealt with something because we launched in January 21. So we'll talk about that and obstacles and such. But just to go back again, you said something like I was fortunate enough to be invited to run a camp. So how did that happen? Was there a pivotal moment there? Was it kismet where you were introduced to people? I'm always very interested in what gets people to pull the trigger.
0: Honestly, what happened was Ursuline had just, to my knowledge, had just built a beautiful turf field. I was driving by all the time during the summer. I was seeing it was not used. And there was a, a mother who I know, because I actually coached her daughter in sports, uh, Anne Lefevre, who's a local resident, who at that point was on the board or head of the board at Ursuline. So I reached out to her with, with the concept of, of launching Next Level Camp for Girls. And she introduced me to some of the administration at the school. And that's how we got started. So I really owe a lot of gratitude to Anne to sort of helping me get this get this started.
1: Yeah, sometimes it's just one person that you connect with, right? But you had this in your mind that it was it something that you were sort of mulling over for years. And what gave you the confidence to say, "I'm doing this now"? <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, it was something I was mulling for years as a father of two daughters. I mean, there's lots of wonderful summer camp programs throughout Westchester and obviously in other parts of the country. But what I really thought would be unique and different and and obviously paralleled very well with, with, with what Ursuline was doing was this all girls concept of creating a day camp where it's only girls focusing on empowerment and leadership and exploring new opportunities and exposing and obviously... Eight years later, it's even a bigger deal now than maybe it was in 2015 to keep, you know, these, these things are obviously expanding. I'm actually in a few weeks with another local resident doing a Zoom program with Jessica Berman, who's actually also a, a large fund resident. She's the first woman's commissioner in professional sports. Love it. So we're doing a, a woman in sports seminar for middle school and high school kids and even young college kids just to learn about all the new opportunities for women in sports and in business. And then not to jump the gun and, and to go all over the place here, but that's sort of how I operate, unfortunately. I'm also launching this spring a all-girls flag football league. Nice. Which, again, I think is a, a really unique and, and, and fun opportunity because – there are girls basketball leagues and girls hockey leagues and girls lacrosse and girls soccer. There is a coed, there are a lot of towns that run coed football leagues, but from doing some research and talking to different people, I think most girls are, are not really comfortable doing it. I don't think they get a huge turnout. So why shouldn't they have an opportunity to get exposed to football and learn about it? And it's actually becoming a big thing in, in high school sports now. I know some schools further up in northern Westchester and other parts of the country are actually starting or going to be piloting high school teams. So. Hopefully, this will give the youth in this area an opportunity to get exposed to it a little bit. And I imagine at some point, Maranek and New Rochelle and some of the other high schools will probably be launching either a club team or a high school team at some point as well.
1: That's pretty exciting and definitely a differentiator right there. For sure. So you saw white space clearly. What's the toughest part about running a summer-based business? (laughs) And how do you get over those obstacles? Because we always want to solution things, too, when we talk about these things. You know, it,
0: it's funny. Most people think camp directors, they sit around for eight months and <laughs> sort of show up in June and it sort of works. I, mean, <laughs> I can't imagine you just sitting around. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. But uh, <laughs> it, really, it really is a full-time thing. I mean, like anything else, I mean, in the fall, it's a lot of business development, and reassessing the summer and getting feedback and, and coming up with different things and, and relationships. And then as the year progresses, I mean, like any other business, you gotta have, you work on sales, you work on recruiting, you work on hiring great staff, you work on programming. I mean, all these things sort of gear up to this like crazy day on this year, June 27th, when I potentially between my four or five sites can have 600 kids arriving at a three or four different sites, all with high expectations, looking to have a lot of fun. And there's a lot of work that goes into it. And And behind the scenes, sure, it's a little hectic in the first day, but as long as we don't show it, the kids tend to have a good time and they have great activities and they smile and run around. And, you know, again, at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. I really, I I pride myself on having these kids and I have other camps as well, not just all girls camps, but just just having a good time and and learning different things and hopefully remembering their summer again, especially the last couple of years, because it has been so tough. Not to segue back into your pivot,
1: yeah, I was just gonna say let's let's talk about how you dealt with COVID nineteen and how do you run a camp clearly <laughs> when everybody's in lockdown.
0: So 2019 was actually in some respects one of my I guess proudest accomplishments because obviously COVID hit end of February early March is when it sort of became a fact. Nobody knew at that point what it was. Everyone figured oh a few weeks we'll be fine. Obviously that wasn't the case. Totally. but as we got closer and closer to camp, nobody knew what they were going to do or if they were going to be able to run and all that. So I fortunately. Sort of came up with an idea of running backyard programs so what i literally did was ended up hiring and i partnered with a, a group called backyard sports who was great and we sort of did it together to a certain extent because i use a lot of his staff we put together about 100 high school and college kids and we literally went in four states to people's backyards and ran they put their pods together and we ran 2200 kids in backyard camps in New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. Impressive. It was it was amazing. It was it was pretty impressive. I have to say. I, I, I joke about it now that I feel like I could run Goldman Sachs if I could see deal with the logistics and, and all, the, <laughs> all the hiccups that I had to deal with that summer. I mean, again, it, it was one of my proudest accomplishments, and I actually was able to run camp, regular camp, next level. In an abbreviated version, uh, we ran just a few hours a day and four days a week because we really didn't want the kids inside. So if it rained, we canceled it. But we were able to run a few weeks of, of regular camp that summer, which again, for the families that were comfortable with it that summer was, I think, an awesome experience for those kids because they don't forget at that point, everybody was remote from March on and everyone had been cooped up and those kids really needed to to really run around even more so than last summer, which, which obviously we ran camp as well, slightly abbreviated, but less so than 2019.
1: Totally. It is so important. And from a parent's perspective, we also dealt with just watching them struggle, but trying to maintain connections to their friends virtually. Obviously, the learning thing has been so challenging, Zoom learning and such. And just the idea of getting them doing anything was so appealing and so appreciated from a mother's perspective, I will say. So you're doing good work. You're doing rewarding stuff. It obviously fuels you in a different way. What do you think would be sort of like your biggest piece of advice? And I'd like to give takeaways from each guest to listeners on finding something that's really your
0: professional purpose, if you believe in that. If you're fortunate enough or you have the opportunity to do something you love. I mean, again, a lot of your guests have had similar sentiments from listening to some of your other podcasts. I mean, if you're able to find a niche and create something, be entrepreneurial, do something that you love and desire and you feel like could have an effect on people. You should go for it. I mean, again, it's easier said than done. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of hard work. There's going to be lots of obstacles that come up. This fall, I taught a Shark Tank class, actually, at the Homics Middle School.
1: I love that. You mean based on the show
0: somewhat? Yeah, based on the show, the school because of COVID had asked me to oversee some some middle school clubs at the at the local middle school here. So we did a variety of different things. Great. I oversaw most of them and a lot of my summer staff came in and taught them. But I actually always had an interest in, in the show and I consider myself very entrepreneurial. And so I, I, I taught a class, like mimicked on the show, and the kids put together presentations for the administration at the end. It was a lot of fun. That's awesome. But what I told the kids was do something you love, try it. You know, even if it's part-time on the side, you don't have to quit your job necessarily. I mean, almost these people, if you actually watch the show, like a lot of them start off part-time, see if there's any merit to their idea and that kind of stuff. And, and you never know what's going to happen. Not to digress out of my current occupations, but my software business, we at one point thought a big part of our business was going to be based on on selling summer camp clothes to to campers online. And again, don't forget, this was 2000, 2000, 2001. So this was pretty early internet. Yeah. But what ended up happening was we had created another feature, another platform where parents could see pictures of their kids and communicate with their kids via email at the camps. And that ended up being the, the revenue generator of the business. So the point being is you can start these businesses and you never know what's gonna happen. You know, what I told the kids was you always wanna talk to people, you always wanna be open to ideas, nobody's perfect. You know, all these things I guess you hear in you know sort of business one on one classes or whatever, but it's so important to receive feedback, be open minded, handle criticism. The hardest part of my job, obviously, is as hard as my staff work and as hard as we try to put a perfect product together, there are always going to be some issues that come up at camp. I think the parents appreciate that. I've always tried to communicate with them. I've always tried to be proactive. I try to deal with the situation quickly, you know, and sometimes it's my fault and and I, I own up to it. And I know parents appreciate
1: that. I like that. I do think transparency is so appreciated and valued. You know, you told me before we started recording, your main focus is balancing quality and growth. And you also have told me that you're expanding. You're going to bring next level to more and more states. And that's the goal, right? To continue to grow. And I like that pairing of quality and growth, but quality can sometimes get lost on the way, on the path of expansion. So I Mm -hmm. think you're onto something there, but how do you balance those two while you continue to grow?
0: It's a, good, it's a good question and, and, and not easy. So, you know, just to backtrack a little bit. So I started my all-girls camp in New Rochelle at Ursuline in 2014, and, and it went very well. Parents loved it, and they're like, well, what about my boys? So a year later, I started Next Level Camp for Boys, which I now run at Iona Prep, which is obviously the brother camp of that. So I have a all-girls camp and an all-boys camp in New Rochelle. In a lot of respects, very easy to manage. They're five minutes away. But then a few years later, I expanded to Saddle River, New Jersey. And that's, like you alluded to, becomes the challenge. Where you draw the line in terms of being able to you know, be on site and visit and sort of physically being there. Again, I've been very fortunate. I've hired a lot of great people over the years that I really trust. I, I've done my best to train them. They've taught me a lot of things. The business lesson here, or at least the business lesson I try to teach the kids is, you really have to be open-minded. And I think any very successful business person would tell you they get different ideas, different feedback from from other people. I mean, if you don't listen to your employees, that one they're not going to be happy, and two they're not going to be there to support you. So, 100%. Uh, you know, i have used that as sort of as sort of my motto, and so I was able to start a camp in Saddle River, and that's gone very well. And this year, I'm launching a new program in Massachusetts, which is, is a little daunting. It's also an all-girls day camp at an all School, so you know, being in Massachusetts, being you know three plus hours away, like I do at a lot of my places, I'm starting it later in the summer, and we're just piloting it for a couple of weeks. I mean, a lot of again, the the programming stuff is relatively simple in the sense that I, I do it already in, in New Rochelle and New York, but there'll be challenges, I'm sure. But you know, listen, it's good to try things too. But yeah. It's hard sometimes to balance the quality and the quantity and you want to be careful not to expand too quickly, I guess. Yeah. I've done this 700 years and I, I've expanded, I guess, slowly, but fast in, in some respects, but but I've been able to manage it, I guess is what I'm trying to say. It hasn't been
1: great. Yeah, it's going in the right direction. That's amazing. So where can we send people to learn more about Next Level?
0: You can send them to nextleveldaycamps.com and that's sort of a, a landing page of all my sites. Nice. Where you can learn about all my local camps and obviously Massachusetts and my new football league, if I may do a little pitch, NL for next level, gridirongirls.com.
1: I love that. I'm actually obsessed with this idea, Ed, because it's really brilliant.
0: It's gonna, it's going to be great. It, well, I don't know if it's brilliant. I mean, <laughs> it, it, down south, football is a big deal. And I noticed that it's a trend. And I think even in southern New Jersey even in northern westchester they've done some stuff i think it's a nice opera a nice opportunity for these girls to to try something a little bit new and that's what next level camps is all about we really try to we do something called try it tuesday where we encourage all our kids boys camp girls camp whatever try something outside your comfort zone you're a sporty kid go try a theater class you're an artsy kid go try a field hockey because at the end of the day that's what camp is all about and that's really yeah. what they remember great soccer teachers basketball teachers all these things but if they can learn a new skill or a new hobby and then maybe go try out for a modified field hockey team or try a dj class and then go do some dj or magic or whatever it might be that's what I want them to remember at a next level. That's that's the good feelings I get from the camp when I run into kids in the neighborhood and they're like, oh, remember Magic Dave and still doing these tricks at home or I learned how to cook at camp and I'm making cupcakes for my mom or whatever. That's what try makes it. me happy.
1: Try it, yeah, try right? it. And then you're giving them that opportunity to explore. That's what I hope to do. I love that. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It thank was you. really great to to chat with you and hear your whole evolution. And I'm gonna be watching very closely what you continue to do in your endeavors. Ed Metzendorf, thanks so much for being on Bucketless Careers.
0: You got it. Awesome. Thank you again.
1: So great to have you joining me for another episode of Bucketless Careers. Make sure you tell your friends to listen wherever they get their podcasts. We'll have another one for you next week. Another amazing guest with a career narrative you don't want to miss. Be well. An ironic media production.
0: Visit us at I-R-O-N-I-C-K